Islands, a new novel by the author Ben Dunwell, set in the dawn of Ibiza's settlement by the Phoenicians around 650 BC. In this interview, Ben describes how he became a writer, as well as the highs and lows of the creative process. The podcast was recorded before Christmas, and since then, Pine Tree Island has become available on Amazon for international readers. Let's join Ben now at his house in the hills above San Juan, where he lives with his wife Sarah and children, Willa and Mickey. So Ben, it's lovely to be here in, in your house in the hills above San Juan. You've just published a book called Pine Tree Island, a novel from Ibiza's Dawn, published by Barbary Press, Martin Davis's publishing house. How does it feel to be publishing finally your first novel? Well, it feels, it feels great, I have to say. I, um, so this is... Uh, my my first novel, as you say, I was when I was living in the UK, I was writing a lot more for music. So I was writing a lot of words for music, either um, operas or or oratorios, musicals, um, and so I, I got used to the feeling of uh, of producing things and uh, and shows going on, and it's a, that's a lovely rhythm, in a sense, but it's quite a quick rhythm. Um, whereas writing a book is a much slower process and and turning it into something at the end is also a much slower process, as we've discovered. So it feels amazing to finally get there. Well, it, it's quite, it is quite an achievement because I, I know how many years it's taken to, to reach this point. Um, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about your creative process in a, in a while, but I wanted to start off just to ask you a little bit about your history. People, I'm sure, would... would Want to know where you're from and what's your connection to Ibiza? Well, I'm uh, I'm from England uh, and I spent most of my life in the southwest of England, around Bristol, around that area, and um, a bit further down into uh, Devon and then up into Somerset. My my relationship with Ibiza started um, very much by accident and under a strange a strange star, in the sense that in the middle of a rather drastic uh, midlife crisis, I decided that what I really needed to do was to train as a clown. So, yes, I looked online and I found that um, you, could, you could do a clown training weekend in Hoxton in London, um, or you could go and train at the Lecoq School in Paris for about five years, or you could do three months in Ibiza. And I thought, well, three months sounds just about right. Uh, I'd never been to Ibiza. Uh, I went onto their website and discovered that the uh, the clown school was called the Independent Republic of Failure. And so <laughs> I, I had to come, and I did. And I spent three lovely months here. The clown school has actually now moved uh, to uh, Menorca, in fact. But uh, I spent three lovely months here uh, with a lot of really interesting and lovely people and totally lost my heart to the island. And then after that, we, we kept on coming back, and uh, and eight years ago, we moved out here full-time. So you, you met your 
wife during the clowning course, was it? Well, it, it, curiously it was, but she was from England. Um, so she came out with me uh, at one point and then we were staying uh, together in a bell tent down in uh, Camping Calabasa before it was redone. Yeah, Camping Calabasa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was very romantic. And then you moved here per- permanently 2014, was it? Yes, it was 2014. Could you tell me a bit more about why or how you became a writer? Well, I kind of started very young. I uh, I was writing little stories. I was writing little plays from pretty much as early as I can remember. Um, I went to visit my mum the other weekend, actually, and found in her house a wonderful little sort of exercise book full of, uh, yeah, stories I was writing probably when I was about six or seven. So I've always had it going on in my life. Um, like I say, it's kind of taken different paths from time to time. So I've spent uh, time working with theatre, time working with musical theatre, time working just with music um, in terms of more concert platform stuff. And now I've spent some time uh, working on, on novels. So I'm, I'm, it's, it's always been there in my life. It's always been something that I do. Uh, I just kind of seem to move around the genres. Um, what what um, steered you towards writing a novel rather than these other genres? Ah, that well, I don't know. That, I think, if I'm honest, uh, at the sort of the, the, the bottom of my heart, I've always known that this was somewhere where I, I kind of needed to end up um, in, in fiction, in novels. Uh, and at the moment, I'm having a really nice time experimenting with all sorts of theatre projects as well. But... It feels like my gravity uh, kind of attaches me to the novel writing process for now. Well, let's talk about the process, if you don't mind. Um, can, you, can you just say a few words about your creative process, your, your routine? Well, the routine is pretty easy because I've got two little kids in school. So that's my routine. <laughs> I, can, uh, I can get everything I need to get done. Um, within a, a school working day, actually, even though they're not that long, um, if I'm if I'm focused and in the right place, so that's something that's uh, that's been quite easy to to maintain. People do say that over the lockdown and 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 uh, over this recent period of disruption, it must have been lovely for a writer to be so you know embraced into his solitude, and actually, it's been awful. <laughs> <laughs> like for everyone, um, uh, just because it's been such a weird and disrupted period of time that it's been very hard to focus clearly on things. And and what I've discovered in the process of writing this first book, and I'm actually there. Are, it, the intention is for there to be three of these books, a little trilogy. And so at the moment, I am in the second one, um, and it's. The, the focus that's required to bring these stories into a sort of proper clarity where they're going to work is enormous. And, uh, and, and outside pressures really affect that. And I think a lot of people have been finding just that it's really hard to focus on what they're doing. Um, and, well, so have I. I think everyone's mm. in the same boat, really. So when you're res- researching your book, um, I mean, this is a historical novel... How did you go about getting the facts or getting the historical bits in place? Oh, you just Google it. Yeah. Um, 
No, well, you do in a way. You start. It's all, this is this is kind of where you start. My um, my technique has always been to try and find your way into a subject um, on the internet, and then you can kind of work out where reliable information is, and then you start finding out the right kind of books to look for. And then when you've got one or two of those, and you might have you know, got a couple of dud ones along the way, then you start going through their bibliographies and you just spread out a research pattern from there. And, and all the time you're being led off in different directions when an idea pops into your head and you think, oh, I wonder, wonder whether that was there back in 650 BC or, you know. So you, you, you're constantly, I am constantly turning over new areas of research and, um, and also awfully just forgetting where I read things. So I kind of, I'm, I'm awful when challenged. But slowly, I've, I, what I have done is absorb a kind of a, 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 a big amorphous twig bundle of facts about that period of time uh, where you can start to piece together what the inside of a room would look like. You know, I mean, that's what we're trying to do, really, um, in terms of writing historical fiction. It's not so important who's the king of so-and-so and, you know, all this kind of stuff, it, nor is it really important to be able to count the number of oars along the side of a boat because all of that information is a little bit unreliable as well. But you need to feel as a writer that you can walk into someone's room and, and feel comfortable there in your head. You need to feel you can walk through the landscape and maybe be able to see what trees are there and edit out the ones that wouldn't be. Um, and, and you need to kind of be able to get inside your character's hearts and, and wishes because those are the same really as, as we have now, but they might express themselves in slightly different ways. So I, I was trying to work out how you would start the actual writing process. I mean, do you start with the, the place, sense of place that you've been describing there through your research? Do you start with the plot? Do you start with the characters? How does that, how does that work? Well, it starts, it starts with um, a, a fundamental idea about plot, what you want to try and make happen. And for that, I think you need a few characters that you know something about, something quite, you know, uh, quite specific. And, uh, and from there you start to get there, you start to get this dialogue, this play, this dance that comes between the characters and the story um, within a sense of place. Uh, and, and you suddenly find that you're going to need another character who's going to be able to carry this part of the story that that first character needed or your first character is going to have to change because the story requires that and so things move along like that and actually what I've found because I'm, I'm so new to this game <laughs> you know I've written one um, and it's brilliant that it's been published and I hope people like it and all that and I'm in the second one at the moment so I'm very very new to all of this um, but but what I'm finding is that actually the process of those changes in plot and character can carry on happening quite late on in the writing process, um, which is really unnerving, but seems to be just the way I'm at at the moment. Well, they must be alive in your in your 
mind. I yes. Think. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Um, either that, or I just haven't got the knack of really nailing down a plot before I begin, <laughs> which is sort of. I mean, I know that you, you know you 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 listen to interviews or read interviews with other writers and 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 some people say you know you have to have your plot absolutely you know nailed down before you start some people very odd start writing the end of the book and work forwards i couldn't do that and so everyone's got their own way of you know dealing with this it, it's you're you're fighting herding cats mm. is 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 the sensation and and the um so do you go through a, a sort of long drafting process how does that work? Yes. I mean, I, it would be, you've got to set off thinking that you're writing uh, the finished article, but um, obviously you know that you're, you're not. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there, there are some parts, some, some parts of, of the book, uh, of both books, actually, that, that I've been working on, they survive really well. They're written early on, and and actually, as an idea, it's good, and and uh, and you kind of return to them and think, no, that is actually still what I want in this book. So they they survive. Not many of them. Not many, I have to say. Um, most of it is <clears throat> is is drafted again and again and again, and and there's there's always a moment actually I find where quite a radical rewrite happens, where a lot of the material is changed. But because you're sort of shifting everything about three inches or ten centimetres, go metric, you know, to the left, it's quite an easy process, but you simply have to write the whole book again and move all of the characters slightly to a different place and all of the plot will have to just slightly move its attention somewhere else. Um, and, and that's, again, a process which I've, I've, uh, I've done on both now. Um, so I, I don't know whether it will change as I grow up as a writer or whether this is just how it's going to be for me. And so how long has it taken you to write this book? And how many drafts have you done? Oh, dear Lord. Um, <laughs> many, many drafts. I, I, so I started writing it, um, in fact, eight years ago, because it was begun in the same year that we had the idea of coming to Ibiza to live full time. Uh, it was, it's been through many different lives. So it was, it was um, picked up at the time by uh, a London agent uh, who helped me an awful lot with it, actually. But we didn't get it published in the UK. So then, uh, then I started talking to Martin at Barbary Press and he was keen to do it. So then we, it kind of went through another um, editing process then, which it needed and it, it, you know, it moved to be another piece. And I would guess, um, I mean, it's probably had between 10 and 30 drafts <laughs> of <laughs> various sort of yeah. uh, radical natures. So, you know, I, I would probably find that quite frustrating. But you mentioned it's like herding cats. Could you talk, talk a bit about the, the frustrations or the highs and lows of your creative process? Well, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've, I have, I, having dealt with theatre theater projects and, and stuff like that for years and years and years, I've become quite well versed in how to survive highs and lows because the, the triumph and, the, and, and the, the failure is sort of the same thing, actually. And you have to kind of hold on to something a little bit more solid than either. Um, and so I try and hang on to 
are you enjoying what you're doing? Um, are you enjoying the process of writing? Are you having a nice time? Are you being nice to people around you, mainly your family? Um, if you can say nearly yes to all of those, then that's all fine. Um, and, and you can kind of carry on. There have been moments, certainly in, in this first book, I, I, I put it down for a year, I think, and wrote something else altogether. And then I realised, having thought, you know, that this first one, uh, Pine Tree Island, would never be published. Uh, and then I realised that that wasn't OK, that I had to go back and pick it up again and and, and try again. Um, but it that that process actually has taught me that that uh, that's also a thing that can happen it's all um you know you you can leave something for a period of time and return to it and and suddenly it can come back to life so i i kind of i approach all of uh my kind of creating processes fundamentally optimistically i suppose i approach it like that i think it's going to be okay it always is which it sort of always is um and Trust yourself and be patient and wait for the better result to come through and don't become overwhelmed when it feels like all you're doing is writing rubbish, <laughs> which does happen. Sounds like good advice advice for any aspiring writer. <laughs> Look, right, let's, let's talk a bit about the book, shall we? Pine Tree Island. Could you tell me when it's set? What's it, what's it about? How much would you like to give away? Oh, well, that's... Uh, <laughs> My publisher would be very strict on this. Um, well, I can tell you it is set roughly in the year 650 BC, roughly because we don't really know when um, these events happened, but that's a kind of target date for the first settlers from the Phoenician world, however you want to describe that, arriving on Ibiza and finding whatever it is they found there. And uh, the reason I... I'm totally in love with this particular bit of history is that it's marvellously undocumented. So in a way, it's a writer's paradise. Of course, you have to kind of look at what else was happening around the Mediterranean at that time and work in with that and make sure you're not sort of writing stuff that's wildly anachronistic or, or has the wrong people in the wrong place. But the truth is that, yeah, we kind of know that there was a little settlement at Sakaleta and we know sort of that it died off pretty rapidly and something else happened in Ibiza town although that's not necessarily in sequence as was previously thought and we know some stuff about the cave up in the north and when that was more active and less active but uh, until the, those settlements really get going there's a bit of a grey fog over the whole island um, and that's the fog that we kind of uh, set this book in, um, in terms of, uh, of of the history. And what I do, because I, I I just liked the idea of making it a kind of a bit more of an adventure and discovery story, is I take a group of people who are sort of drawn by accident from all over the Mediterranean, in fact, um, and I have them ending up on Ibiza, uh, and trying to set up the first little colony um, at that time. And actually, it could be easily 10 years before uh, the real settlement started in Sacaleta. So it kind of, as a, as a historical moment, it's very fictional, but it's kind of in the right place.
And um, so in terms of plot, does it, does it follow the lives of these people as they're setting up this settlement? Well, it does, although it, it's, um, it's quite a, a quick-paced story. Uh, the novel all takes place within the first year of them being there, um, because that's when uh, the whole thing uh, sort of has its, has its sort of narrative arc. The thing that, we, that I do play with is this idea of who's, who's already here on the island, um, which is a mystery. Uh, there's obviously um, archaeological records of people here, Bronze Age times, we, we know all that. Um, whether they were active tribes or civilizations uh, at the time of the Phoenician arrival is, is not totally sure, actually. Certainly in... Um, Majorca and Menorca, there were very active um, civilizations there, which might be why the Phoenicians came here. Um, but, but you know, but so, so I also play with that idea, and that's where it, I, I might start having to um, draw the curtain across the, mm. the plot. For sure, for sure, that's fine. <laughs> well, I, I, was, I wondered whether you would like to read from the book at all. So this is the bit where they arrive at uh, the island, from the bows, she stared up at the red cliffs. The stone was soft and fluted, and the beach below had the same warm tint. It was close now. Callie could count the oar strokes that would set them ashore, and she felt a rush of panic. The journey, all its days and nights, had become her whole life, and it was moments from ending. Now the water shallowed, and the shadow of the boat drew closer underneath them, scattering small fish. Callie set her foot in a cleft by the prow and swung herself up to sit beside it. She heard her father call out to her, but his words were covered by the clatter of the oars rising. The little boat ground softly into the pebbled sand of the beach, and Callie let go. For a breath she hung in the air, her hand snatched from the prow, her feet high above the water, and then she plunged waist-deep into the bright warm sea. The rest of the crew were more ordered, dropping the spar and lashing it, setting a stern anchor to hold the boat cleanly into the short break of the waves. Callie waded up the slipping shingle. Where the ripples touched the shore, the beach became soft sand. A warm breeze fell from the red cliff, dropping the heavy scent of pine like a welcome kiss. Callie stood alone on the pine tree island. That's beautiful. You really... I had my eyes open, but I was there... You've really painted the, 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 a picture with words. Thank you. Very, yeah. very vividly. Well, that's, that's Sakaleta. That's the beach they land at. That's the... Where, where we go now to sit and take Sakaleta coffee. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't, can't wait to read the book. Um, before we finish, I know you said it's part of a series. I've wondered what, what are the projects you've got on the go that you'd like to talk about? Writing-wise or theatre? Oh, well, really. um, let me think. Well, the, the, to be honest, my main thing at the moment is, is uh, working on the second book, um, which is exactly the same uh, setup, but kind of just under 10 years later. Um, so it's, it's going to be a very uh, uh, sort of recognisable pattern of a, of a, of a, a trilogy. With, with nice little spaces, but characters sort of moving from book to the next to the next. 
Um, so it just allows uh, a little bit more breadth of, of the story, I hope. So that's my uh, my main focus. I'm also having a nice time doing uh, projects, uh, being involved with projects with um, Theatre of the Ancients. We did something in the summer uh, and they did another thing uh, recently, um, uh, more of one of their winter shows. And, and we're, we're really enjoying doing these um, they're sort of excursions into the world of ritual and theatre together um, and, and finding out how that works and how it feels. And it's really fascinating that I'm, I'm loving uh, doing that kind of stuff. I love doing odd, odd performance things outdoors, which is <laughs> uh, it's one of the great blessings of this island that you can do this. Um, so that's, that's really enjoyable. And actually it feeds quite richly back into the writing process for me because obviously the the period I'm writing about is is ancient and ritual um, and so having the opportunity to kind of take part in some of those rituals personally is 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 gold dust for me actually thank you Ben and finally how can we buy this um, wonderful book. Ah, well, the joy, the joy of the marvellous distribution system that, that goes with Barbary Press is that it goes to all the little librarias in all the towns and villages. So hopefully by Christmas, it's a little bit hopefully this, but I think that's what their intention is, um, it will be in all these, these, these shops. So very close to you, whenever you go into, wherever you go to do your, your, your evening shop for a bit of food, the Libreria will have a copy of Pine Tree Island in English and in Castellana as well, because it's been translated. Um, and those both books will be coming out at the same time. And for international readers? That's a slightly slower process. I'm at the moment um, working uh, to get it onto the, the, the Kindle platform. Um, and we're sort of halfway on that one. It's a, it's a slightly different process to bringing out the paper version. Um, so I'm hoping that that will be, oh, I'm not quite sure, but it may be a month or so. Um, and uh, so then that's, that's a, a, uh, something that we can also release information about when I know more. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Well, a pleasure as ever. <coughs> This haunting song was recorded in San Jose in the 1950s in Ibiza. It's called Bon Amor Jo et Venk Aver, which roughly translates as Good Love, I'll Come See You. It's part of the Alan Lomax collection at the American Folklife Centre in the Library of Congress. It's used courtesy of the Association for Cultural Equity. Vas a las tres, aparece el gallo fabé. No tengas pocas vacas y porque no aprovechas.